Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. How many of y'all were blessed last week with that word? All right, a couple of you. Good. I preached to one. That don't matter to me. I'll keep going. Amen. But we got a full house today. I think some people had to find a different seat today. Amen. This looks good. If you are a brand new first time guest with us, uh, we are just so excited and honored to have you uh, at Anchor Faith Church. You could be at any place this morning. We thank you for coming, checking us out. Uh, my wife, Ashley, here on the front row. We would love to meet you after service. If you would just uh, join us in the back corner over there, um, we would love to shake hands with you, talk with you, get to know you a little bit. We've got a small gift that we want to get to you, but we're just honored and excited that you would come and uh, celebrate your new year with us and be in the house of God with us. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I think you've got a different version up there than I do. Maybe I can I can pull it up here on my digital device. I just remembered I put a different version in there. You know, when we get to transitions, uh, you know, sometimes they can be a bit anticlimactic. Have you ever watched the clock change? Like literally just watch the numbers go from 11.59 to 12.00, and it's, you know, it's like this is what I stayed up for. You know, what's what's the big deal? I mean, you know, you, you're, you're all the pressure and all uh, the urgency goes into the buildup, and then the change happens, and it's like, uh, well, the only thing that chap- changed was the clock itself. Um, and if we're not careful, um, we'll think that just because the clock changed, everything changed. And we're just automatically going to have this transition take place. And that's what we have here in Joshua. We have uh, the Israelites coming out of uh, the land of Egypt. They had been enslaved there for over four centuries, uh, four generations of people who by this time know nothing but slavery, know nothing. You know, it it, it gets to a point when you get so bound um, and, and, and you get so locked up that it just becomes a way of life for you. You don't know what the other side looks like. You don't know uh, what, what it's like uh, uh, to, to be on the other side. I don't know why all of a sudden I just got this uh, desire to want to watch this documentary on World War II. And um, I, I, I love history, for one. I love American history. Um, I come from a line of military uh, in my family, and so it's just always been something that I love to learn about. And so I've been watching this long, uh, probably 14, 15-hour documentary on the war, on World War II. And there was this one individual that they interviewed. And um, pretty much as soon as we got into the war in 1941, when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, they immediately took over the island of the Philippines. And this individual was serving there. And um, they eventually, after several days of firing and, and, and warfare, they had to uh, surrender. So he basically spent the entire war, uh, three and a half years, in a Japanese POW camp. And he said, he made this statement, he said while he was in there, the thing that kept him alive was the desire to be back home and remembering his mother's cooking and remember the girl back home that he was dating, you know, before he left and remember uh, uh, his house and what he did, you know, while he was working. He was only 18 years old when he went into the war, you know. 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, and, but he said it got to a point uh, in 1945, right before the war ended, it got to a point where he couldn't even remember home. He couldn't even remember. Did, did I have family? Did, did I even, 
did, did I even know anybody back? What, what did I eat? It literally became a distant memory to him. And this is just after three years. So imagine these Israelites here that, uh, again, the ones that we are delivered were born in captivity, born in slavery. That's all you know. And that, that's a tough place to be. We talked last week about the mindset. We talked about you've got to train your thinking. You've got to train your mind. You have to literally set your mind on what the word says. Because the natural tendency is to go back to the way it used to be. The natural tendency is to go back to slavery. And there's this burden that comes with freedom that I don't know how to operate out here. Back here, I knew, I knew where the meals were coming from. I knew how I was going to be taken care of. I knew where I was going to sleep. But now out here in this wilderness, I'm wandering around, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know. This is, this is unfamiliar territory for me. And so it's our thing. If you're going to walk into victory this year, you've got to make sure you let go. Because, see, God could set you free geographically, and you still be locked up in your mind mentally. And that's exactly what happened. They were set free naturally, but they were still bound mentally. And if you don't ever get loosed, if you don't ever get set free in your thinking, that's why I, I, I said last week, it doesn't matter the challenges and the trials that happened in 2017 and what may come in 2018, because what, what really needs to change isn't the situation around you, it's the situation within you. God's trying to do a work on the inside, and all we see is what it looks like on the outside. But if I set my mind, if I fix my mind, if I become uh, uh, stable in my mind, it says regardless of what it looks like out here, I'm steadfast on the inside. I'm steadfast in my spirit. I'm steadfast in my heart. I am not going to budge. I'm not going to move. The, the house is full today. It's the first service of the new year. I mean, everyone is... Most of you are probably thinking I'm going to make, make, make it a, a determination this year, 2018, I'm going to get back in church, or I'm going to be consistent in church, or I'm going to get connected. The house is full, but what happens when the, the motivation wears off? Have we developed the discipline to continue doing what we were once motivated to do? See, God wants us to be disciplined. If, if we constantly have to be motivated, then there has to be this outside force that has to show up to say, you better do this. You better do this. But the discipline, I mean, there's, there's gentlemen in this room that are disciplined to work out and disciplined to keep their bodies under and disciplined to eat the right foods. And, and, and it shows. It's, and, and I'll tell you right now, Josh, Travis, these guys, they are not motivated to be in the gym every single day. I can promise you that. They are straight, bold-faced liars. If they want to step up here and say, I wake up every 4 o'clock every morning, want to be in the gym. Look at me. No. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. There's, a, there's an excitement that comes from seeing the, the results, but there's going to be days where you're no longer motivated to walk in love. There's going to be days where you're no longer motivated to, to respond properly to that individual. There's going to be days where you're no longer motivated, or you might say, I can't do that. But the discipline will carry you where the motivation will leave you. Discipline will carry you where motivation will leave you. And so we have these individuals that are wandering through the, the wilderness, and now it says in verse 1, uh, after, let me get back to the right translation. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses is dead. 
Moses, my servant, is dead. That's over. That's past. That's a different season. See, Moses and Joshua represent seasons. And so we have a transition of seasons that's taking place. We had a leadership under, under Moses, but Moses is gone. Moses led these Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Going in circles, wandering around when they should have been in there in the first 11 days. But now we've got a leadership change. Now we've got a transition. Now we have a changing of seasons. And God quickly moves on. He doesn't linger. He doesn't hang out on the fact. He, he, he's not, uh, you know, let me tell you all about Moses. and what. I mean, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. The end, period. Let's move on to the next thing. Next order of business. See, when God's ready to move on, he's ready to move on. We're over here crying and mourning over the things that we lost, and God's saying, I'm way over here already. Why are you crying about stuff that I knew was going to be gone? You needed to let go, and now we need to make a transition. Now we need to move into a new season. And if you continue to wrap yourself around what you lost, you'll never embrace what you gained. You'll never engage. You'll never embrace what you've gained. This year, 2018, you're going to have to let go, cut off. Some things have died, and they were, they were life in those seasons, and they were fruitful in those seasons. I, you know, this verse used to bother me. Of all that Moses put up with, of all that Moses dealt with, of all the, the mess that, that Moses endured for these people. Many times he stood in the gap for these individuals and they're whining, complaining, and, and, and just cry baby. And, 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 and where's the next meal going to come? Or where's the next drink? And God's just continuing to show his grace and his mercy and pour his favor out on these people. And Moses would stand in the gap when God said, get out of the way. I'm going to burn them all up. I'll start over with you. And he said, no, no, no. He's standing in the gap every time. And all he gets is, Moses, my servant is dead, period. And I heard a individual minister on this who said that he had the same dilemma with himself and he said god spoke to him and said he gave moses the highest calling he could give anybody moses my servant is dead he said i gave him the greatest title i could i gave him i gave him the greatest uh 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 you know, ending he could get. The, 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 this is the way you want to go out. Faith, good, uh, well done, good and faithful. Not pastor, not nurse, not doctor, not super spiritual person, not person that read your Bible all the way through in one year. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end, we all get the same title. At the end, we're all trying to be servants in the kingdom of God. A servant for the kingdom of God. A servant for the king. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people. I'm reading out of the wrong translation again. I'm going to get this together. Verse 3. Every place. No, verse 2. Verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Just as I promised to Moses. I want you to know today, number one, that the promise is still good. The promise is still good. Yeah, it may have been a different season. And yeah, it may have been past and yeah, it, it, you may not have seen it come to fulfillment. And there are some things that got you deterred. I mean, these individuals got way deterred. 
They got way off course. 40 years to do something that should have taken them 11 days. And God, out of his grace and mercy, looks at Joshua and says, I'm still going to bring that promise to pass. And you know what I've learned? I've recognized that the enemy makes threats, but God makes promises. The enemy makes threats to try to get you off course and try to call you away from what you're designed to do. But God makes promises. God is in the promise-making business. You ever heard someone say, that's not a threat, that's a promise. God is bringing a promise. It's more sure than the enemy's threat. And you know what we do sometimes? You know what we do? We fixate on the threat of the enemy that has not even happened yet more than we fixate on the promise of God that he's already declared over our life. And I'm here to tell you today that promises are conditional. No, God promised. He said he was going to do it. You have to apply yourself to the promise. The promise has a principle, and you must follow the principle to receive the promise. These individuals sidetracked the promise that was declared thousands of years, not just with Moses, not just with this generation. This was declared thousands of years to a man named Abraham who didn't have any children. And God picks the one man that doesn't have any children and says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Why? Because if I pick someone that had a bunch of kids, then they could say man did it. But I like to get the glory, and I like to get there. I wonder what God is trying to do in your life that he's trying to get the glory for, but you keep, you keep cutting in trying to get the glory for yourself. And we say things like, I'll give you the glory, I'll give you. He says, if I get the glory, then I can only, I must do it the way I can only do it. But the thing with promises is that God will only do what he can do. And we must do what only we can do. I said, God will do what only he can do. But we must do what only we can do. You have a part to play. There's a part to the promise. You have a part to the promise. You get to participate in the promise. You get to be a a part of it. And that's what he's doing right here. See, so many times we want God to just take us in. And he says, no, 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 I need you to press in. You want me to just drag you in. And God's saying, you've got a part to play. If you'll participate, if you'll cooperate with me this year, I will fulfill the promise that I gave you. Even in a past season, the promise is still good. Look at your neighbor and say, the promise is still good. The promise is still good. There's no expiration date. He still is able and willing. He who promised is faithful to perform. Amen. But he's including us now. And he, 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 he goes to, to Joshua and he says, uh, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Past tense. See, God sees what we're trying to gain as already have been gained. God sees where we're going as we're already there. I don't know if you know this, but God loves faith. God loves faith. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It means that he's not pleased. There's a difference between being loved by God and being pleased by God. I love my son, but there's some times that he doesn't please me. I know no other parents could. But there's times. I love you. What you're doing right now is not 
pleasing to the Father. I want to live a life not just desiring God's love, but I want to desire God's pleasure in me. Well, he looks down and says, I'm pleased with him. That is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, he loved Jesus. There's no doubt about that. Why did he have to declare that? Because Jesus was walking in his will. Jesus was walking in the Father's purpose. Jesus was walking in what the Father wanted him to do. And so he said, that's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. So we've got to operate with faith. Verse 4, from the wilderness of this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. You know, God, God will mark off your territory this week. If you'll get with him, he'll let you know how far your territory extends. He'll tell you exactly. You don't have to go into this. Year. I, God, what does he want from me? He wants you to know. He wants to declare his purpose. He wants to declare his promises. And he'll show you even the extent of it. He'll show you it's even out to here. And it's over to here. And it's all yours. And I can tell you right now, I can promise you, it's bigger than what you think it is. It's bigger than what you think it is. What God has in store for you this year, go ahead and multiply it by seven. Go ahead and, and why does he say, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. But he can't do exceeding and abundantly above what you don't ask or think. Asking and thinking is on our end. And the working is on his end. He, he shows them the, the territory. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Just as I was with you in 2017, so I'll be with you in 2018. And where I'm taking you is going to require you to remember where I've already brought you. Where I'm taking you is going to require you to reflect on the faithfulness that I've already shown you and that I've already brought to you. All the times that I brought that water out of that rock, all the times uh, that, 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 uh, that I brought that manna, uh, you just woke up in the morning and you just took uh, the, the manna right off the ground. All the times that I went before you and fought those battles, all the times that I kept your marriage together even though it felt like it was falling apart, even, even though it felt like I didn't even have enough money to get the gas taken care of. There was a way. Every time I showed myself faithful to you, it's not so we can live back here, but it's so that we can get to there. I want to look back for his faithfulness and so that it can propel me into what's next. Where he's brought me will get me where he's taken me. No man. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I mean, I would take this. Here's the land I'm giving you. Here's the territories. I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. I'm, even people that try to come against you, I'm going to go before you. They won't be able to, to stand before you. I'll fight your battles for you. Sounds like a pretty good deal. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong. And courageous. Now, he wouldn't tell you to be strong and courageous if there weren't opportunities where you needed to be strong and courageous. Amen. So he's immediately saying, here's all the stuff I have for you. Here's all the stuff I'm going to do for you. But it's not going to be a walk in the park. You're going to have to trust me. 
As you trusted me then, you're going to have to trust me going forward. Sometimes I think that we, we, we want our faith to develop to a point where we can live comfortably. And I don't think that's the same kind of faith God has in mind. I think God wants to get us to points where he shows us how strong and how mighty he is, but he wants to continually keep us in a posture. And it's not so much that he takes things away from you, but it's that he puts you in a position where the next challenge ahead of you is bigger than the one you just faced. And I tell you, I mean, it's it's happened to me plenty of times. Where God will bring me through a challenge. God will bring me through a season. And it was testing and it was trying and I almost broke down. But for God's favor and God's mercy and God's grace and then my ability to, to enact the word on, on, on my behalf, he came through for me. And then I'm gl- giving glory to God. And it just seems like, man, God's so awesome. God moves in such awesome ways. And look what he did. And then the next challenge comes. It's like, what are you doing to me, God? Why? Because he's, he's, he's making sure. See, why, why would he give Abraham Isaac and then say, now go take him up on the altar and slay him to death? God's wanting to know. God is constantly wanting to know. Are you trusting in me or are you entrusting in the thing that I gave you? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. So he says, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That means there must have been options. But he says, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful, here it is, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, a lot of times when we get into positions like this where there's transition and there's newness and there's freshness and there's, you know, there's a clean slate this year, walking into a new year. Sometimes we put more effort towards changing something than we do to building upon what we've already gained. Sometimes it's not necessary that we change or get something new necessarily, but that we keep the same posture and keep the same heart and keep the same attitude and keep the same obedience that we did in the previous season. Yes, I know God's doing a new thing, and I know that his mercies are new every morning. I know that. But, but right here, he says, here's what you're going to do. You know, Joshua's probably thinking, okay, bring us something, new word, new fresh, fresh word, new word right here. And he says, remember all those commands I gave to Moses? Do that. Do that. And sometimes we're wanting something new from God, and he's saying, I need you to do what you already know. I need you to apply. See, here, here's what's dangerous, is that our, that our level of obedience does not align with our level of knowledge. And we want to know more. And we want a new word and a new season. And God's saying, I still need you to obey the word from 2017. <laughs> no, I need a new word, 2018, fresh start, here it is. And God's saying, well, I, there's a command that I gave you in the previous season, and it's still good. I need you to follow that command. I need you to obey. He, he's telling them right here. He's telling them right here. The promise 
is from the past season. And now the command that's going to fulfill the promise is from the past. I'm not telling you to live in the past. There are some things that we need to leave in the past. But there are some things that we need to bring with us into the present and take with us into the future. He's telling them the commands that I gave you, that I gave to Moses, follow those commands. And this is what he says. He says, uh, do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, the book of the law, nothing new. He's pointing back to something that they already had access to. I wonder what it is that you wrote off that wasn't able to bring you life anymore. And, and just because the leader is dead, maybe the lesson is still alive. Maybe there's something he wanted you to learn from the past season that he needs you to take into the new season. And now he says, apply it. Do it. This is how we started out our year last year. Talking about the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The equipping of the believer. And we said this, that a believer that is merely educated has only received part of their training. The Bible does not say it's the educating of the believers for the work of ministry. It's the equipping. Equipping literally means to furnish. To furnish with all supply. I want us to be equipped this year. Not just a bunch of people with knowledge. I mean, I know believers that don't have knowledge and they need to be trained and we need to be taught. And we need to learn what the word of God says and what the, what the word of God says. Not what denominations say and not what some guy thinks the word of God says. We need to know what the word says. There's so many things that we aren't walking in because we don't receive his word as truth. We have to receive his word as truth. We need to be taught. We need to know. We need to be uh, uh, trained up in the word. We need to be educated. But education is an element of equipping. It's not the totality. Equipping means that you actually get the opportunity to Use it yourself. You become trained in it, not just in a classroom setting, hearing the word, but now here's how I'm applying the word. James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us that do not be uh, uh, to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And this is the sad part. It says that we deceive ourselves. Well, the sad part about deceived people is they're deceived. So they don't know that they're deceived because they're deceived. They're deceived from even the fact of knowing that they're deceived. And that's how do we get there? When we don't obey or apply what we know, what we hear. This is just an element of the Christian life. This is just an element of what God wants you to receive and how you're going to receive the fullness of what God has for you. But now when we go back out the door, now we get to apply everything we're learning. Now we get to take the scripture and we get to say, how can I put that into practice in my life? How can I make that, make that real in my life where it's not just knowledge, it's not just something in my head, but it's in my heart. David said, I don't sin against you because your word is hidden in my heart. He said, I know it from heart. I know it from heart. We talked about Paul and Silas last week. Praising and singing in the midst of the midnight hour in a prison. 
Why? Because they knew it by heart. You, you find out what's in someone's heart when the pressure and the test come. Yeah. That's where you really find out what someone's made of. That's where you find out their true merit. That's where you find out what they've been dumping down in there. Because all of a sudden, catastrophe hits. All of a sudden, trials and struggles show up. And all of a sudden, you're saying something different than what you said you believed last week. All of a sudden, you're, you are contradicting the very thing you were standing on. You, you, you said that this, why, and, and this is the thing, is when it doesn't get past our head and it doesn't get into our heart, it never gets lived out. It may come out of your mouth and you may speak it out of, out of rhetoric and out of routine and out of spiritual uh, uh, resignation, but it's never real. It's never in your heart. And he says, do according to all the commands. He didn't say, do you remember all those commands? Okay, good. Just make sure you keep them back there. Maybe you've got to write them down somewhere. Remember the commands that I get. No, he said, remember so that you could do, apply it, live it. He said, this is how you make your way successful. This is how you see the promise fulfilled you apply the word you do the word uh, do not let this book of law book of the law depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it now here's the thing again we're all wrapped up in change we're all wrapped up in different but sometimes it's not what we do different it's what we do consistently and this year, maybe we don't go into it saying, God, show me a new thing. Give me a new word. Give me a new job. Give me a new, uh, uh, a new heart. Give me a new, 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 new. Maybe it's just, maybe I become more proficient at the things that I ought to already be doing. Maybe it's not the things that I'm going to change that's going to change my life. But maybe it's keeping doing. Meditate means to chew on. It means to think on. It means you become settled in it. It means that, and, and look, it gets old, and it gets routine, and it, it gets familiar, and you have to guard that. You have to be intentional about not allowing it to just become, well, this is just what I do. I'm, I'm the healed of the Lord. This sickness has to go in Jesus' name. Okay, God, when's it happening? But it's from the heart. It's from the heart. There are some things that, that, that we do without the heart. Je- Jesus had this uh, uh, issue with the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. He had this issue. He said, there's one thing you've left. You, you've got all these other things going for you, but you have left your first love. You're doing it, but there's no heart behind it. I'm, I'm telling you, this can become routine. This can become familiar that's the last thing i want that's the last thing i want if our church is only coming here out of routine and familiarity and that's what you do on sunday then i'm not saying you don't well if i can't do it right i don't do it at all that's what the world says that's not what god says god says you keep doing it but i'd rather you do it with passion and i'd rather you do it with the right heart and i'd rather you apply the word knowing that the promise will be fulfilled if you do your part and i will do my part that there's no exploration there. Knowledge demands application. Knowledge demands application. The knowledge that we gain this year, the, the word that we grow in, the, the, the healthier that we get spiritually, and the more that we grow, and the more that we develop, demands that we put it into practice. Demands that we start living it out. And I know nobody shows up to watch the football team practice. They watch the football team play, 
but they don't watch, they don't come to watch football teams that don't practice. Do you hear me? Who, who was it that went 0-16 this year? The Browns? Nobody's going to watch their games. They're going because they have to, because someone gave them free tickets, or it's a work thing, uh, you know, something. They're not, why? Because you're not showing out. But people that practice, they become proficient. Practice makes proficient. Amen. Knowledge demands application. Sometimes while we're desiring to know more, God is demanding that you work with what you know. Sometimes while we're saying, God, show me a new thing, give me a new word, give me a new, and he's saying, where are you at right now? God's real good about checking your current status. Checking where you're at right now. And I tell you, look, God is not trying to hold you back. He's trying to get you to move forward. But you can't go to the 10th grade if you don't pass the 9th grade. And the test is not there to keep you in the 9th grade. The test is there to get you to the 10th grade. But until we prove that we learned what we needed to learn in the past season, we don't have access to the next season. See, these tests and these challenges and these trials, that's why we saw last week James said, count it all joy. When you fall into, not when you get out, when you fall into the trial, count it joy. Can you laugh on the way in? Man, this is, this is horrible. There's no money. Everybody hates me. Everybody's leaving. My boss doesn't like me. I'm verge of losing my job. And can you stay happy? Can you stay joyful? Can you stay excited? Can you stay passionate? I know you got to fight emotions, but that's exactly what God wants you to do. Because the more you fight the emotions, the better you become sensitive to his spirit. Amen. It might be dead, but can we learn something from it? It might be over, but did we get anything out of it? It's a new year. It's exciting. 2018. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about this year. But I'm going to make sure that my excitement goes into February and into March. And I, I stay disciplined to do the things that I'm motivated to do today. You can be motivated to save money in January, but come February, are you still disciplined to do what you set yourself to do? The things that you said you're going to pay off, the, the, the things that you're going to learn, the, the degrees you're going to get, the jobs or promotions you're going to gain, the, the, the financial uh, access that you're going to get, whatever it is that God has laid on your heart that you have said, that you have recognized this is what God has for me this year. Are you going to, are you going to learn from the past? Are you going to gain from the old and take it into what's next and see God move in your life this year. God's got phenomenal things for you. God's not trying to stop you. He's not trying to make you quit. He's not trying to cut you out. He's not trying to keep you from getting something. He wants you to have access to everything he's promised you. And the Bible tells us that he has seated us in heaven, in heavenly places. If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to us. This is the year we get full access. This is the year that we move into the promised land. This is the year that we gain access to the promise that he has spoken over our lives that we've been holding on to. And I'm telling you this year, if you will apply these principles right here in Joshua chapter 1, you'll see the promise this year. you see the promise this year. The worship team comes. I know one of the 
main things that comes over us as you press. Right? We saw that last week. Paul said, I press toward the calling. I, I press toward the prize. I, I press. Well, pressing tells me that there's pressure. If I'm having to press, that means that there's something pushing against me. And like we said last week, do you see opposition or do you see opportunity? But just naturally speaking, I was listening to a podcast re- recently from a leader, and he was talking about being able to look ahead, being able to see opposition and obstacles as opportunities for innovation. And he said, there's a reason why there aren't any more blockbuster videos around. You seen one late? Anyone have a blockbuster video card ID? Anyone remember that with me? Okay. We were just talking about that the other day. No, why? Because somebody saw opposition. Nobody's coming to video stores anymore. And someone else saw opportunity. Let's get the videos to them. Redbox showed up. Go to McDonald's and go to Walgreens and get your movie. Netflix showed up. Those should stream it right into your house. What am I saying? It's how you see it. I know I'm kind of recanting on that, but somebody needs to hear that. This year, it's how you see it. That opposition that you thought was designed to take you out is actually going to propel you. It's actually going to move you forward. It's actually going to get you to access all the things that you've been trying to access on your own. And you needed the push. You needed the pressure. You needed the opposition. You needed the obstacles. You needed the people to get in your face and and, and call you out. You needed the people to, to, to challenge you, to get your thinking outside of just going through the motions and saying, I'm going to go after what God has That's all these individuals need. And you know, these individuals that ended up going into the promised land, they weren't born in slavery. God said, I can only take in those that are 20 and younger, which means they were born in the wilderness. They were born wandering. You know, God's got a funny way. If if he can't get it done through you, he'll get it done through somebody else. I want to be on his assignment. I want to fulfill his purpose for my life. I want to see his promises fulfilled. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to greatness, called us to a destiny that will challenge us, may even oppose us. might look like a trial and a struggle, but we know that you're working on our behalf, Father. We thank you that your promises are yes and amen to those in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you are, you are, Uh, able to perform that which you have promised. You are faithful to your word and we want to be faithful and honor your word. So Father, we declare this year, in 2018, that we will fulfill the assignment, that we will see the promise take place in our life as we observe to do what you've been trying to show us, what you've been trying to teach us, what you, you, you're bringing us into a new season, but there's old lessons that we can take with us, Father. I thank you that we're gaining knowledge But I thank you that we're also applying and living out all that you are calling us to do. Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice today. I thank you. And I pray this year is their best year yet. This year is their best year yet. 
This year is their best year yet for their finances. This year is their best year yet for their marriage. This year is their best year yet for their family. This year is their best year yet in their business and in their job. Come on, just receive it right now, wherever you're at. We receive the promises of the Lord. We receive the fulfillment. We receive it being accomplished in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it will be so according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.